Trading Nut, episode 202. If you want to start with a breakout trading, you could create absolutely phenomenal breakout strategies with one and one uh, trading indicator only, and that would be ATR, average to range. And average to range, it's a magnificent indicator, which you can use to calculate the levels of your breakout. You can use them to uh, create phenomenal uh, filters. For example, just by comparing uh, longer period uh, ATR with a shorter period ATR, you can very quickly uh, calculate uh, volatility explosions in markets, volatility breakouts in markets. And then all you need to do is just put these components together. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax, learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we've got Thomas Nesnadal on the show. Now, Thomas has got an amazing story to start the show off with, a life story of his. It transformed him as a person and into the trader he became, which was a, a day trader, manual day trader, before he switched things up. After becoming very, very good at day trading, he switched things up and became a fully automated algo trader. So you're going to find out why he did that, how it all unfolded and how he ended up coming up with 120 breakout trading strategies ridiculous in fact he came up with 1500 but you're going to um, find out why 120 of them are the ones that he uses now um, other things are if you're wondering at the end of the show or even whilst you're listening to it how on earth did he come up with these breakout strategies and how on earth did he come up with so many of them? In fact, what he does in another video here on the YouTube channel is break that down for you step by step. So please make sure you check that out on the Trading Nut YouTube after this. Other things happening here at Trading Nut, we've got Black Friday happening this week. So there is this year a sale on the Robot Builders Club and I'm throwing in a sale on the Robot Lab Live as well. So if you want to check those both out, they are fantastic uh, bits of kit that you can add to your trading arsenal. It allows you to automate virtually anything. And with Robot Lab Live, we all do it as a group. So go and check those out on tradingnut.com. Links under the video or in the podcast description or just go to tradingnut.com. All right, enough from me. Let's hear from our sponsors and get on with the show. Fidel Crest is an award-winning prop firm that funds traders with up to $2 million and offers generous profit splits up to 90%. So what sets Fidel Crest apart? Well, it's their verification stage payouts of up to 30K in as little as 15 days. So you can receive your first payout prior to becoming a fully funded trader. Just complete the challenge phase and verification stage without violating any rules to receive your first payout. And be sure to use promo code TRADINGNUT, all one word, to get 10% off your next challenge. Click the link in the description below or the card above to find out more. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Thomas Nesnadal here in the house all the way from Spain. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Thank you very much, Cam. Thank you very much for having me. Well, um, bit of a, I suppose, slightly different show in terms of like you're, you're an algorithmic trader. You've been doing this for 
over a decade and doing it very well. You're ranking top on leaderboards, I know, um, across the internet for you, that the strategies you've created, you did start off in manual trading, uh, you're, you're focused mainly on the futures markets, and uh, you also have your own podcast, which uh, we were talking beforehand is part of the Better System Trader podcast family. Um, so I'm thinking I'm, I should get Andrew on the show uh, at some point in the future <laughs> if he's willing to have if he's willing to come on. But um, today we're all, all here about talking about you and what you managed to achieve in the in the last um, you know couple of decades of your life. So do you want to start off by sharing with the audience your trading journey to date? Yeah, um, actually it's quite coincidental, but I have something very major to share today. So everything regarding my trading uh, started on the 17th of November. And that's the day that we have today, yeah. 17th of November. Yeah. It just started uh, 33 years ago uh, in Czech Republic uh, in 1989. Because on the 17th of November 1989, a big thing happened in Czech Republic where I was, I was born. Uh, so Czech Republic used to be a communist country, and we used to live in a big communistic oppression, uh, dark days of lack of freedom, dark days of uh, everything that we're seeing in Russia right now. <laughs> so I know that things and feelings very well. And on the 17th of November, there was a, sp there was a spontaneous revolution. And it was, it was an amazing event. It came into the history known as the Velvet Revolution, uh, which started in Czech Republic and then spread it to the entire Eastern Bloc uh, of Europe and ended up with uh, Russia falling apart. Uh, and uh, it was a huge, huge event. Well, this all event happened in front of my windows, exactly the street where the revolution became. That was the street where I used to live. Really, on, and I was right in the middle of it. Unbelievable! Yeah. How did it, how did that sort of play out? Can can you just I mean re relay what you remember? I, I so I was the very the very, very start of the old. revolution, the very start yeah. of it. Like what did that look like out the window? I was fifteen years old, and uh, you know, since my childhood, I was into coding and programming. Not not surprisingly, and I used to have a Commodore sixty four, which I got from my parents, who got it smuggled from <laughs> Germany, thanks to a friend of our ours. And I remember that evening very well because I was sitting in the front of my Commodore sixty four, and I was coding and learning some new stuff. And all of a sudden, there was a huge noise coming outside of the street. And then uh, I went to the balcony and I uh, looked down and I saw the street was full of people, but also full of police. It was crowded with police in their heavy, uh, you know, bulletproof uh, vests and everything like heavy uh, uh, arm, armed, armed. And the crowd of people was just insane. And it was just pouring into the street and more and more people were coming from the one side and more and more uh, heavily uh, dressed police were coming from the other side. And I remember that time I had no idea what was going on because uh, anything like this was strictly prohibited. Like in Russia nowadays, if this would happen, it, it, it wasn't even possible to happen. Like people would go directly into jail just, you know, just grouping and making this yeah. kind of, 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 of crowd. And then my mother and my father said, get out from the window, get out from the balcony. 
I was like, why? Get out, don't look down. That was the era. That was like, if you were witnessing that, you could already got arrested right. and interrogated and you could end up in jail, especially my parents. Yeah. So we knew that something was going on and something was brewing on in the street and brewing. And then nobody of us could, you know, not to look anymore. So half an hour later, we looked down and we saw a huge crowd with transparent chanting, end of communism, revolution, get rid of Soviet Union, like anything that you, you, people used to be executed just because, because of saying things like that. And the crowd was so huge that uh, it was outnumbering the number of police. Wow. Well, in about an hour, the police got an order to stop the demonstration and they got very violently, you know, in front of the people, started beating them down, some using uh, the, the water tanks, the water, I don't know how you call them yeah, in water English. Cannons, yeah. So water cannon. So it became very, very wild, yet the crowd was bigger and they were able to push out the police and the police after two or three hours of the battle, they left. And we were shaking, we were shocked, we didn't know what just happened. But then it continued the other day and other and other. And after a few days, the government gave up, gave up, they capitulated. Then Hungary, East Germany, Poland, other countries, they got heavily uh, influenced, heavily inspired by Czech Republic. They started the same revolution. And a couple of months later, the entire Eastern Bloc, including Soviet Union, fell apart. And there were a huge dev- uh, revolution movement around the entire East uh, Europe. And it started right under my window. Unbelievable. That's a great story. Because I, I, all I remember, I mean, I would have been uh, maybe 13 at the time. And I just remember the Yugoslavia getting bombed on the news. That yeah. was probably the only thing I remember from it. So to hear that detail is unreal and sort of makes me wonder, like, what actually happened in amongst the community beforehand to get enough people together like word of mouth and stuff, and it's before the days of the internet, right? To get enough people together in on mass in one spot is is incredible. That's that's a fantastic story to start the show off with. Um, <laughs> that's so good. And so so um, I I suppose fast forwarding on from that, I mean, what you know, things must have settled down at some point where you could get into your Commodore sixty four and start you know coding again. And um, what at what stage did life settle down for you? Yeah. So, you know, it all happened very, very quickly. It it was almost magical and incredible how quickly it happened. And, you know, two things happened during these days. So the first thing we got from a total darkness, oppression, uh, a situation where we were not able to travel, where we, you know, were not, we didn't have enough food in many parts of Czech Republic. We got from this dark oppression to total freedom, like literally in a couple of weeks not even days if not even days the the borders open we were able to get out like it all happened so quickly that it, most people had problem to process it how quickly all all that happened yeah. and that time that particular time i realized two incredible things so first one was that anything in the world is possible because this was against all the odds like probability of happening something like that, that was beyond black swan. That that was yeah. so improbable. Yet it happened. 
And I remember I, I was very young. I was 15. And I was like, wow, if this could have happened, then anything in life pos is possible. Like, there's nothing we could not do. There's nothing we could not achieve. And the other thing that was, you know, happening in my head was, well, I'm free. I can do whatever I want in my life. And I always was a very decisive person, always knowing what I wanted. And something during that time clicked in my head. And I said, I'm going to travel the world. And that's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my life. I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to live abroad. And I'm going to everything that we were not allowed to do for 40 plus years. I'm going to do it in my lifetime. And that's pretty much how I got into trading. Yeah, because I hear you've, you've gone to 65 countries or something off your on your list. Yes. Unreal. Yes, uh, so far. And hence why you're, you're living in Spain at the moment. Now, um, how did you first get into the tra into trading? Like what sort of triggered your interest and did, were you employed beforehand? How did that look? Yeah. So after the revolution, uh, I didn't uh, want to become a trader right away. I just, um, I wanted to be a movie director, you know, like a second Steven Spielberg. <laughs> that, that was my idea. So uh, I studied a film school. But, but uh, what really happened after I finished the studying, um, the studies, I realized that it's it was super difficult to uh, um survive in this industry uh, to get your movie funded to find investors sponsors it all was so so difficult that i end up as a starving artist literally i was a starving artist i was living on spaghetti which was less than one dollar uh, per big portion uh, i was owning money to my landlord uh, i didn't have money to to buy shampoo, basic stuff, that, that bad it was to be a starving artist in, in Czech Republic in movie industry. And uh, at that time, I also met my future wife. And, um, you know, when we met, we promised each other that we want to travel because she's a uh, soulmate in traveling uh, very much. And I realized, damn, I'm not going to fulfill on this dream if I still, if I will stay in the movie industry. I have to do something to make money and to make it possible to travel the world uh, for me and my wife and live abroad. And then I was really thinking about my, my options and I had plenty of options because it was after the revolution and everything was new and opened and available. And then I recall my schoolmate, uh, we studied a film school together and during the uh, uh, years of study, the school years, he traded stocks. He invested in stocks. He didn't trade. He, he invested in stocks. And he was the richest uh, guy uh, in our class because he was doing so well that he could afford, thing, afford things that nobody else could afford. And I had a memory of him and I was like, well, maybe that could be, you know, the journey that I could take to support myself and uh, find a way to travel the world and, uh, making money at the same time and that's how i got into trading and and how did your first like five years of trading go and what were you doing so i first of all i wanted to start with um stock trading investing but i realized i would need a lot of money uh to do that which i didn't have as a starving artist 
but while I was searching, uh, I learned about possibilities to trade, uh, to day, about possibilities of day trading and especially the e-mini markets. Uh, at that time, e-mini S&P was very popular, but I was not so drawn to e-mini S&P. I really loved uh, e-mini Russell 2000 uh, because uh, I could see a lot of great and very predictable movements in charts. So I had to, so what I really did, I abandoned the idea of becoming an investor and or stock trader. And uh, I decided to get focus on e-minis. Uh, and um, I also took some jobs as an uh, assistant director uh, in um, TV ads and commercials. And I directed some TV ads as well, which brought me a lot of money to found my uh, first account. And uh, I got into discretionary day trading of e-minis which was quite interesting because it at the beginning it was way more challenging than I anticipated, way more challenging. But, you know, um, a lot of people would probably give up uh, because I think nobody has got, you know, there was no there, there was no education. We didn't have any books. It was just after communism. We didn't have access to Amazon, to uh, U.S. Uh, books, uh, English books. So we had to learn everything ourselves and, that made it even harder. Uh, and as I said, most people would give up. Uh, but, you know, I still had this deep embodied feeling after the revolution that everything was possible. Like I went from darkness to freedom and light. So why there's no reason I couldn't do this. And slowly, step by step, I, start, I started to learn basic patterns, uh, basic analysis of maximum adverse, maximum favorable excursion to calculate proper stop losses, profit targets. I built up, uh, I built up my discipline. And this way, I, st I started to day trade uh, manually, discretionary, and somehow, somehow magically started to work out. All right, guys, we, we lost the camera here for a second. So what we're doing is we're jumping back into, we think, where we, we left off. So if it doesn't, the story doesn't quite join up, that's that's why. So, um, yeah, back to you. From what we understood, you had no books, uh, no education. It wasn't back in the day, and but you still thought everything was possible. So on from there, what happened in the, in the futures market? Yeah, so, you know, it was just trial and error. Uh, I, I quit... Uh, you know, all my ambitions of becoming a film director. Uh, and um, I decided to focus on my day trading, uh, the full session, six and a half hours a day. Uh, and I spent long months, if not years, sitting in front of the screen and learning how to recognize profitable patterns, uh, how to set uh, the proper profit target stop loss, how to uh, write down all the trades into Excel spreadsheet, analyze my maximum favorable, maximum favorable uh, adverse excursion. And I was steadily, slowly learning the craft of, of day trading uh, until I figured out how to trade day trade profitably and uh, and finally was able to stick with it and um, took it as a main, main job. How long did it take you to get there from like quitting your job to saying, well, I'm consistently profitable now? It, I don't recall exactly, but it was, I would say, at least three years. Three years. So you were unemployed for three years, working off the sale, like basic, basic, I suppose you had savings and then you were <laughs> you were sort of using some of it on the market and, and losing it. How did that sort of go throughout that period of time? I and mean, what were you... What were you, how did you survive? Well, I still took on occasional jobs uh, because uh, that, that 
the lucky thing was that uh, before I started with trading, I somehow managed to uh, get into the uh, TV commercials industry. And ah, yeah. that was a pretty, yeah. very nice thing because the job, uh, I, I it usually took about two, three weeks, but I got paid so much money that I could, could live from it another six to 12 months. So I, I took on an occasional <laughs> job and that's how I supported myself. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good, actually. Two, three weeks work for six to 12 yes. months of living. That's awesome. Okay, so so um, why did, so you, you were, you know, pr- trading consistently profitable with your discretionary stuff. What, what happened? How did you get into the algorithmic side of it? And, you know, what was the sort of genesis in that space? Yeah, so um, at a certain at a certain point, uh, finally, everything was working in a, a way that... Actually, sorry, and, before we dive into that, I just want to find out what, what were the key things there around the discretionary trading that helped you get to the point where you were, where you were consistently profitable? That, that's a brilliant question. So I think, surprisingly... It wasn't so much about the setup uh, as it was about the risk management and money management. That's what I had to learn the hard way. Uh, and I remember that uh, most of my uh, work in discretion trading was not so much focused on analyzing setups and entries. It was rather on analyzing maximum favorable, maximum adverse excursion and seeing where uh, and when we have the biggest uh, potentials for movements. Uh, with uh, the least uh, possible adverse excursion, which would which would mean that we could trade with very high risk reward ratio uh, and with a reasonable small uh, stop loss. So I figured out a couple of patterns which were based on this premise that uh, I could be right just thirty five percent of time, and I still could make money because uh, the the average movement would be three to four times of the uh, size of the stop loss. And that gave me a lot of confidence because then you know that you can make a lot of mistakes, then you can have a lot of uh, losing uh, trades, but you still end up uh, with profits at the end of the day. And that was the kind of like a foundation, the base uh, of my day trading. And I, then I took it from here and I started to improve my timing, my patterns, my filters to get closer to uh, 50% uh, win percentage and while still ke- uh, keeping rather higher a reward risk ratio three to one or at least 2.5 to one and that was then it was just a mathematic it was about the sample size just do enough trades with this fixed um, or almost fixed um, uh, mathematic and you'll keep making money not a big deal and so so you were, at that point you were making money i mean what what where did the how did the evolution get to the point of you know oh, I don't want to be doing this anymore. And were you doing 16 hours a day still at the charts? And is that what got you into the algorithmic side of things? Well, almost. So then I started to make money and I felt really comfortable with my trading. And finally, I and my wife, we decided that it was the time that we could move abroad. And we moved to Portugal and we decided to live in Portugal. So we settled down in Portugal. We lived there for a couple of years. And while we were living in Portugal, uh, we got back to our dream to travel. And we said, okay, let's go to East Asia uh, and let's spend a couple of months there and see what it will be like. Well, what I didn't somehow realize is that when you move to East Asia, you're in the worst time zone for day trading (laughs) you could ever be. It means literally waking up 2 (laughs) a.m. to make some money in trading. Yeah. So this is like Thailand, are you talking about? Sort of around there or... Somewhere around uh, there. It was Cambodia. Malaysia, Thailand. Uh, yeah. yeah, we were traveling Cambodia. Yeah, yeah. these, these uh, yeah. southeastern countries. Yeah. <laughs> and I got incredibly frustrated because at one end, we loved East, uh, 
Southeast Asia and we decided we want to keep uh, coming back every year and spend three, four months there. On the other side, I knew that it was not sustainable to be a day trader uh, because I couldn't live like this for a long time. So we got back and I said, okay, enough is enough. I have to find a better way. Remember, everything is possible. I went through revolution. Now everything is possible. We have our chances. We can do anything we want. Uh, and coincidentally, I had a friend of mine. He started uh, with some basic strategies in Ninja Trader. Uh, and uh, I invited him to Portugal and we had a great time there and a lot of fun. Uh, and one evening, um, I think in return, because he uh, felt very grateful for the great time I gave him there, he decided to share his strategies with me. I was like, well, can it be true? This is, this is really simple. It was nothing complicated. You know, he had some very basic uh, setups. He just automated them. It was uh, stuff like uh, if uh, the close is higher than previous day's close and it's uh, 8.45 uh, a.m., uh, then buy one contract with fixed profit target, like very basic stuff. And he just coded them and it worked. And I was like, come on, man, I can do this as well. And then we can travel as much as we want. Uh, and that's how I got really into algorithmic trading. Um, I downloaded TradeStation. Uh, I learned easy language uh, coding, uh, programming language of TradeStation. And I started uh, coming up with my own ideas and uh, I decided to switch full into uh, algorithmic trading. Cool. And and so, and how did that sort of first foray into algorithmic trading go for you? I mean, were you successful out of the gate, or did it take a while to oh, of trial and error? And what that. was yeah? Okay, go yeah. for it. It, it. it was horrible. It was horrible. It went. It didn't go well. Uh, and I had no idea that uh, in algorithmic trading, the the worst part is and the most challenging part is overfitting and over optimization so it's very easy to uh, create rules that work perfectly on uh, past data but it's a very uh, different story to make them work in your life trading and i i've created a lot of strategies which were rather overfit and curfitted and um, didn't work well in life trading and i again i was pretty frustrated and a lot of people would give up but my mentality is I survived revolution, now I can do anything. Um, and I, I started to think, what was it that, you know, what was it, why why I couldn't figure it out? Can you give, an, can you give an example I, of uh, of what your overfitting would look like at that point in time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so for example, I could take a simple uh, indicator like RSI or stochastic, uh, then I could combine it with a, some moving average, and then I could create a very simple rule, which would be uh, go long only if the market is above a certain period uh, of simple moving average, uh, while uh, the market is below certain threshold uh, of RSI or stochastic indicators. So we're basically establishing a trend, but then looking for pullbacks. And, we, and uh, then, then I asked the computer, figure out the best uh, period for this moving average, figure out the best uh, period and threshold for the RSI, RSI indicator, figure out the best stop loss and profit target. Well, computers are brilliant in this uh, and they can do it very quickly, but they do it only on the past data. So they so-called curve it, uh, all the optimal inputs in a way that when you start trading uh, them live, it immediately crumbles, immediately stops working because all you did is just you you fit rules on the past data, but these inputs were not robust at all to survive uh, all the changes uh, in, in live markets. 
so that's why I was losing money. And and so how did you how did you overcome that? What were the key things that you did to to get around that curve fitting over optimization phase? Yeah, so, so I didn't overcome optimization uh, phase immediately. First of all, I I was really thinking what I was doing wrong, and I realized that one of the things that I really was doing wrong was jumping from idea to idea, from market to market, from indicator to indicator. There was, I was all over the place. There was no concept. There was no framework. There was no approach, systematic approach in that. Uh, and I was like, okay, let's step back. This is, this, this is totally unprofessional way to do, do trading. Like you cannot just be one day here, the other way there. And the third day, the completely out of place. Like you need to do this systematically. That's what I learned from my discretionary trading. Like we need to be systematic. We know, we need to know what we're doing, why, why we're doing that. Uh, so we need to conceptualize uh, our approach. Uh, and then I realized that um, probably it would be better if I just started to focus on one simple thing, one thing, but go really deep, really understand that particular thing, understand how it works, why it works, why it doesn't work, and then take it from there. And somehow at that uh, time, I really got drawn into breakout trading. I don't know why, but breakout trading was very similar to my uh, discretionary day trading. And it always resonated with me. I, I could understand the uh, breakout uh, entries in markets. I could understand uh, volatility breakouts, price breakouts. Uh, so I said to myself, okay, what about I dump all the other directions and I'll stay focused on only and only on breakout setups, breakout entries, breakout filters, uh, only focus on breakout trading. Let's see how far I can take it. Let's see how much I can do just with this simple approach with one focus only. And, you know, because I, I used to be an artist, and, and as an artist, if you ha have an idea, you go totally absorbed with this creative idea, and you go deeper and deeper and deeper, and you live that story, you live that mm -hmm. idea. And I realized I started to live my breakout story. I got so deep, so immersed that I couldn't sleep. I was thinking about breakouts uh, day and night, uh, on the beach, uh, while uh, in bathroom, just everywhere. And I, I got so enthusiastic and so excited about breakouts that... Um, I managed to start understanding how exactly breakout trading worked. And once you get through this phase when you really have a deeper understanding why it works, how it works, then you very quickly realize what was the biggest mistake. And that was obvious that my biggest mistake was over-optimization, over overfitting. So once I got this understanding, deeper understanding of breakouts, and saw my mistakes, the next stage was, okay, now I know what I was missing. Now I know how breakout trading works. Let's now move to improving my robustness testing, testing procedures. And I took a couple of months uh, working on better robustness uh, procedures, which were very tailored, very specific for breakout trading only. And after maybe one year, it all clicked together, boom. And finally, I started to make money in my algorithmic trading as well. And so, so the uh, just from a, I suppose from the, the the testing point of view, the if you looked at a curve when you had an over optimized strategy versus a robust strategy, 
what what would be the difference? Would one make more money? What would one be more consistent, or would the robust one look as good as the the curve fitted one? How how did you sort of how did you go? Okay, well this is robust, but you know I can't expect it to do X Y Z. Yet I'm still happy with it. Right, that's an excellent question. So. From my discretionary day trading experience, uh, I uh, naturally started with uh, indexes, future indexes, because that, that was my area. I understood uh, Russell, E-mini, S&P, all these markets. And uh, uh, when I started with my uh, algorithmic uh, trading, I again was very focused on indexes, and I started with s- similar markets, E-mini, S&P, Russell 2000. Uh, and at a certain point uh, where when I was analyzing these breakouts, I realized something very interesting. When you have a good breakout setup, that breakout setup uh, works on all the indexes. So for example, I can take a previous day's close and add some uh, volatility to it, uh, let's say two or three times average true range and create a breakout level at that certain point. And uh, if you do this on uh, any index, uh, E-mini, uh, Russell 2000, Dow Jones, uh, S&P, E-mini, EMD, which is S&P 400, or NASDAQ, if you take this setup, uh, and if it's a good setup, it, it makes money on all the indexes in, uh, in the index category. And that, that was the first time when I realized, okay, so that's pretty much how I can improve the overfitting problem, how I can uh, create a strategy which if it works on all the other indexes, at least I know I have a robust edge. I have a setup which naturally works on five markets instead of just one. Uh, therefore, the like, likelihood of uh, overfit and over-optimization is mitigated. And that's how I started. That, that was my first simple robustness testing procedure. Oh, awesome. Cross-validation. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And, and in terms of like the breakout, I mean, that, that's fantastic that you managed to hone in on that. And I know a lot of people out there are looking to trade breakouts. I mean, what what are, say, three things that you could share today that you've learned about breakouts that other people, either manual or automated, could benefit from? Right. So breakout, uh, first of all, it's all about volatility. So uh, if you want to start with a breakout trading, you could create absolutely phenomenal breakout strategies with one and one uh, trading indicator only, and that would be ATR, average to range. And average to range, it's a magnificent indicator, which you can use to calculate the levels of your breakout. You can use them to uh, create phenomenal uh, filters, for example, just by comparing uh, longer period uh, ATR with a shorter period ATR, you can very quickly calculate uh, volatility explosions in markets, volatility breakouts in markets. And then all you need to do is just put these components together. So for example, I can create a filter which says if uh, today's volatility is two times higher uh, in the market uh, than 14 days ago, we probably have a volatility explosion, which is a good thing because volatility equals money. So what we need to do next, we need to uh, do some proper uh, corresponding timing when and how to enter uh, that volatility explosion so we create what i call a point of initiation where we initiate some basic point like yesterday's close and then we add two times volatility on the long side two times we distract uh, two times um, on the on the low side and whatever breaks first will be our entry very simple 
it's it works if you do it well it works and and uh in terms of like the the break i mean are, are you are you factoring in things have you or have you ever factored in things like um false breakouts into what you do with the breakouts for the breakouts yeah where it break, well, basically it breaks out and fails and then it'll break out the other side right yeah have you factored um, that into yeah, any yeah, yeah, of yeah. your strategies yeah i think i think a lot of people misunderstand uh breakouts so a lot of people think that good breakouts have high win percentage uh, and they're supposed to have a high percentage like 70 80 percent well that's not the case the whole idea about breakouts is that one it breaks out and there's a volatility increase you can have you can uh make a lot of money and that that is the same concept that i successfully had used in my discretionary trading already so i just brought it from discretionary trading to uh, algorithmic trading when i said okay i'm totally fine if i will have 60 percent failing uh false breakouts uh, and only 40 percent uh, will be winning breakouts but my average win will be three times higher than average loss and then again it's just a matter of mathematics you need to do uh, many trades uh, with this uh, mathematics, with this statistic, but at the end of the day, you will always end up in profit. So again, it was what I learned in early days of day, uh, discussion day trading that I implemented into uh, my um, um, algorithmic trading. So I'm not so preoccupied about false breakouts. I'm preoccupied about risk management, about risk growth ratio, and the basic mathematics in behind, which allows me to right. keep making money. And, and in terms of like, you're obviously focused on these same markets, you're focused on breakout strategies. Are you, um, I'm sort of just thinking on my own mind here, like each, how, how many ki- different kinds of breakout strategies can you have um, within, I suppose, the same sort of set of markets? Or have you had to expand that across the uh, more markets? I'm just... In my mind, I'm sort of thinking, okay, well, right. At some point, you're going to run out of breakouts, aren't you? And it's going to be taking the same trade okay. with a different strategy. So that's what I'm. My question is, how do you avoid that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the beauty, of, the beauty of breakout strategies is that it's very universal. And uh, with my uh, long practice with breakouts, what I really ultimately I put all my knowledge into a very simple breakout model. I call it. The community, uh, trading community, calls me Mr. Breakouts because they know that that's my specialization. And uh, I'm pretty confident that I got very far with breakout trading. So I created a simple model, which is very universal and which you can apply on any market. Uh, And um, we call it Mr. Breakouts model. Uh, I think it's a funny name, but uh, why not? (laughs) And uh, once I figured out this universal model, what I really did, uh, I just, I found a way how to how to autom- uh, how to make uh, an automatic development of strategies which would be just we would just fulfill this model uh, and uh, I created believe or not I, a lot of people don't believe that but right now in my database there is over 1500 robust breakout rating strategies right really 1500 over yes across 36 different markets right. Okay, thirty-six markets is quite a lot. So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So this is all. So yeah. you hang on. You've got fifteen hundred strategies running, or just in your database? No, no, I have them in the database. Ah, okay, right. Uh, and yeah. what I haven't what I haven't mentioned yet is that I went so far with my breakout trading that uh, five years ago I also established my uh, private hedge fund, 
100% uh, running just on um, breakout strategies. Uh, so we actually built this database uh, so we could expand uh, in the in the uh, hedge fund. And we started with a small portfolio, just five strategies. I think with good five breakout strategies among five different markets, local related markets, you can make a pretty good living. And then we expanded it to uh, 25, then 35, and then ultimately we created a portfolio with 120 strategies. Now, 120 strategies is a massive portfolio, and it's all about correlation. So if you want a stable income, it's all about combining strategies, which uh, at the end of the day will give you average mutual correlation as close to zero as possible. And that took us to produce uh, over 1,500 strategies to be able to create 120 uh, strategies portfolio with really, really favorable low correlations. So that's the reason why why so many strategies in the database. And, and how hard is it to, to factor in the correlations into what you're doing so that you don't have like, because I'm guessing all 38 markets have got strategies running on them at some point in time. How How hard is it to, and how do you achieve, how do you go about making sure that none of them are being sort of, you're not trading opposing directions on, you know, correlated pairs. Right. Actually, it's, it, that's why, that's why I trade futures, right? Because uh, in futures markets, it's very easy compared to other markets to get favorable low correlations. Uh, you can actually pick uh, markets with, which got nothing to do with each other. You can pick indexes, uh, soybeans. Now you have two different words. So the correlation is naturally course, yeah. really low already. Yeah. And you just create uh, two different breakout strategies and you're low correlated just by default. So very easy, very straightforward, very efficient. Uh, now, if we're talking about conflicting signals, it's again very easy. So for example, I create a long breakout strategy on Emin S&P. Now I also want a short uh, trading breakout strategy. Well, I take that uh, because Emin S&P 500 is highly correlated uh, with Emin uh, S&P 400. I trade long strategies on 500, short strategies on 400. So these strategies are not clashing. Then I pick a market which is low correlated to indexes like soybeans, corn, wheat, uh, lean hogs, whatever futures we have, and then I create strategies uh, on these low-correlated markets. So this way, you start building up a portfolio, which is way easier to have it low-correlated compared to cryptos, forex, stocks, or yeah. any other markets. That's why I'm in futures, because yeah. of the correlation. Yeah, that, the that, that makes 100% sense. And I, yeah, when I said pairs, it's like just default for me, like in terms of the, thinking about forex. Um, that's that's really interesting. Now, the um, so the, the, the strategies that you came up with, oh, I had a really good question. I forgot it now. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, damn it. I had a really good question and I forgot it. So what we're going to do is move on to the to the next ones. Um, oh, that was the question. There we go. Uh, so, so how many trades per strategy are you expecting to uh, 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 one of your robots to to take in a week, for example? And I'm guessing you're multiplying mm-hmm. that over 120 strategies. Right. Um, so my breakout strategies, they're usually uh, on different time frames. Uh, the lowest is usually about 30 minutes and the highest is about 240 minutes. So on lower time frames, there are naturally more signals, more entries. On higher time frames, we have less entries. Uh, on average, I block all my strategies on 10 years of data 
and a good trading strategy on 10 years of data has got between 600 and 1,000 trades. So that means about 60 to 100 trades uh, per year. Uh, so that that would give us between one and one and three. One one point three years a year. One 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 about one trade a week, sort of to two one to yeah. two let's say yeah 50 some, some strategies can yeah. have two some three but yeah, yeah something like this yeah. yeah okay okay cool that's that's interesting and and in terms of the risk to reward that you mentioned like one to three before but are you still looking at that as your primary kind of uh risk profile risk to reward profile and win percentage you talked about 30 and then or 40 and then now to to 50 what's that look like across the board yeah so I managed uh, through my experience with breakout trading I managed to find out ways to uh, really lower the number of uh, false breakouts. So I'm not now I'm now able to operate uh, between 40 to 65%. So that means I have a lot of strategies which uh, trade just 30% win uh, win percent ratio, win percent uh, and these still operate with uh, risk reward 2.5 up to 3 anywhere between 2 to 1 to 3 to 1. I also have a lot of strategies which now operate more on the 60-65% win percentage uh, end, uh, and these have smaller. Uh, the smallest I usually have is 1.5 or 2. So I do not trade strategies with 1 to 1 reward risk ratio. I always, uh, from the experience of past all good days of uh, discretionary trading, I always want to have positive uh, reward risk ratio, at least 1.5 to 1 or 2 to 1. So that that's where that's the sweet sweet spot mm. for me for many strategies. And and on these uh, these breakout trades, are you looking at getting out of the trade, uh, say at the end of a day or the end of a week, to or are you happy to 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 hold them and sort of see what the gap does? What 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 do you do in these instances? I always get out uh, at the end of the week uh, because of. These are very practical reasons related to trade station maintenance uh, during the weekend. And then sometimes, you know, Monday starts and yeah. all the trades do not uh, sit well and they're, 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 it's, it's a messy situation. So I always uh, quit. Uh, I exit all my trades at the end of the week, but I also work with um, profit targets and stop losses. So a lot of strategies uh, get uh, out way before the end of the week. And it's quite interesting topic exists because we spend enormous amount of money uh, in our hedge fund on research on best ways to exit breakout trades. And we tried everything. We we tested some very fancy. We had an entire team uh, who got an assignment to uh, build a proprietary testing framework and then test all the ideas that, that uh, are out there. And surprisingly, do you know which exit uh, happens still to be the best one and the most robust and profitable one. Do, do I know what that, that one is? No, what what is it? Just the fixed target, yes. I'm guessing. Fixed target, yeah. yeah. Trailing exactly. it. Fixed USD target. Yeah, fixed yeah, target. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. Fixed USD, uh, USD target, the best one. Yeah. It's hard to beat it. It's so simple, it's hard to beat oh, it. Oh, so fixed USD, so like in terms of just a fixed dollar yeah. target and say based on the yes. stop though, still based on the stop or... Like yeah, so you, you, you can have, for example, yeah, sometimes sometimes we just put deliberately just if we know that the ideal stop loss is, let's say, $1,000, which we do through maximum adverse excursion analysis, we naturally put 200,000 profit targets. So the ratio is immediately two to one. And that's all simple. Yeah. 
yeah. simple. And and this one this one performs better than all the ATR based the trailing yeah. stop losses and percentages. Simple, yeah. it works perfectly. And what what about like uh, moving stops to break even? Do you ever do that in any of the systems? Very little, very mm. little. Again, a lot of of our research uh, confirmed that just place a uh, dollar based stop loss, place a dollar based uh, profit target. Simple, easy to test, easy to build, works perfectly. Mm. So we don't we we do not bother with these um, advanced. Uh, risk management and money management techniques that much although sometimes we do we're way more focused on the correlations and diversification because that's the way to build stable performance correlations and, correlations correlations yeah yeah and, and in terms of like setting up the fund how hard was that especially given the fact you know you're you're a i suppose you're no a digital nomad in a way you've you've got no sort of you know you're, you're moving from country to country and um obviously you're going to need a few more people to to, to make the fun work and operate how did all, all that go about that that was a nightmare so we we started we started with a friend of mine uh, who also lives here in costa Rosso. we started with this idea playing with this idea to launch a hedge fund and he, he's he's a very resourceful so he put together uh, a few rich people and we just decided to make a small private fund with few for few friends few people and we had no ambitions whatsoever it was just like for fun and to you know get out of the comfort zone and see how far we can push the breakout trading then what really happened is that after one year we met a guy who was semi-professional investor. And he came with the idea that he can get on board with big banks and you know institutional clients. And he talked us into establishing an institutional private fund, which would basically operate with a few banks or uh, financial institutions. That happened to be extremely challenging because the all legislation is more it, it's it's prepared in a way that basically uh, the system doesn't anyone knew to step in right like it's a yeah. self-protecting system yeah so they gave us a lot of obstacles a lot of challenges at the end of the day we had to get a very educated and very expensive lawyer and we ended up paying almost half a million euro to set up a, a fully functional hedge fund in Luxembourg, uh, which now uh, is 100% ready to operate with big, bank, big banks and institutions with all the compliance and stuff like that. It took, because of it was supposed to take six months because of the COVID situation, it took more than three years. Well, and, and how many employees did you have yet to like recruit people to? To work within it and stuff i'm guessing with all the compliance you probably do yeah 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 so so uh so my my part in hedge fund is basically just you know strategies and development so i'm not right. so much included in the legal uh part and client acquisition part and my my team is basically pretty simple because i have a specialist um in um, portfolio uh, uh and uh, coding and automation so all my entire framework, all my Mr. Breakout formula has been 100% automated. Uh, and uh, we have um, uh, 
swarm of servers and we run a lot of servers which do produce our strategies automatically. So we have one guy who's uh, 100% focused on creating new strategies, being in charge of creating new strategies and putting them into portfolio. Then we have uh, then we have other guy, an employee, who's in charge of risk management. So his, his um, goal is to keep improving the risk and uh, the risk management of the entire portfolio. So he, he calls a lot of fancy tools like real-time Monte Carlo analysis and all that stuff. So we can prove uh, our clients, uh, the banks that we have cutting edge, you know, risk management, yeah. we're not going to lose their money. Uh, then we have a guy who's uh, in charge of execution. So he's monitoring, he's sitting on front uh, computers and monitoring everything is running properly. And then we have me, and I'm here just to bring up new ideas, uh, consult with my team, and uh, and just do my best that uh, we keep moving forward. And we've been working like this for five years now, uh, just regular meetings over Zoom, uh, every Monday, one, one and a half hour, and that's it. Awesome. That's the beauty yeah, of yeah, yeah. you know, pretty, digital yeah. age. We yeah. can do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds, sounds awesome. Now, um, we're going to sort of start wrapping up here. Uh, can you sort of walk us through your, your typical day now, a day in the life of you, you know, with the hedge fund, coming up with strategies, monitoring what you've got going on? How does that look for you? Yeah, it, it's very – my life is quite simple, which I like. Uh, I wake up uh, – Three times a week, I go to gym because uh, I believe that it's important to stay focused and in a good shape. Uh, every morning, I meditate about 30 minutes to have mental clarity and also be ready for challenges, psychological challenges of trading. Then I'm most productive in the morning. So in, in the morning, um, I go out with a pencil and uh, paper. Actually, I, I bought this digital paper, the Remarkable, oh, and that's yeah. what I use now. Yeah. So mo most of time I spend uh, writing down ideas, thinking about trading, coming with new improvements, concept, concepts. Uh, then uh, during the afternoon, uh, I try them in trade station, test them, see what comes out. And then I do not need to monitor my trades because it's automated. It's quite boring. So I have automatic um, emails uh, with each new trade or position. So it's just coming on my mobile phone. I don't have to do anything. Uh, and uh, once in a while, I just have a look uh, how much money we made or lost. So it's, it's quite boring. <laughs> And um, I like working in cafes, so my work is my day is mostly uh, moving from one cafe to another one yeah. and uh, yeah. talking to people and thinking about trading. Lovely, lovely, nice. Now, um, uh, what about if you had to recommend, you know, a, I suppose a step-by-step -step approach for somebody getting into this? What would it be? Right. Um, so I don't know if I may, but I would also like to mention I wrote a complete uh, book uh, for guys who want to start with breakout trading. I, we just, I just published it recently. It's called The Breakout Trading Revolution. And I believe it's a revolutionary book for anyone uh, interested in uh, breakout trading because, I, first of all, I described my entire uh, breakout uh, formula, the Mr. Breakout formula, and I provide a clear step-by-step -step guidance what to do, how to do it. So it's all described in this uh, book called... Um, the breakout trading revolution it's on amazon on or just the breakout trading revolution.com uh, so that's one way to start the 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 other way to start if you want a little bit harder way just um bring up your favorite market uh, put in uh, average to range indicator uh, and uh, just 
get some sense of volatility, get some sense of where good trend happens, how it happens, and start putting together simple simple ideas how you could participate on these breakout, breakouts, what the condition, what's, what the setup would look like. And then work your exits and risk management. Basically, you can use just very simple analysis, uh, maximum favorable, maximum adverse excursion, where you use some a simple... You can do it in your Excel spreadsheet, see what is the optimal stop loss, the optimal profit target, uh, and uh, create your first breakout strategies and see what happens. Take it from there. Brilliant. Well, look, I tell you what, we could probably go on for hours and hours, and, and I want to sort of keep keep the time time down. So um, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the traders to get hold of you? Uh it's it's a couple of ways. I have a, a trading uh, blog which is called systemsontheroad.com because I travel a lot, so that's why it's called systemsontheroad.com. Uh, I also uh, collaborate with Andrew Swanscott from Better System Trader. We have a website called bettertraderacademy.com. So on bettertraderacademy.com, we also run a Better Trader Academy show on YouTube and. The Better Trader Academy show on YouTube, which is called Breakout Trading Answered. We talk about um, breakout trading every Tuesday. So that's another way. And we, we do it live so people can interact, uh, ask their questions. And, uh, you know, that's where, where we can talk about breakout trading forever as well. So uh, find Better Trader Academy on YouTube and um, or get the book, The Breakout Trading Revolution. And that's that's how you pick up my brain. Brilliant. Well, look, guys, what we're going to do is we're actually going to jump onto a screen share in a second. So you'll be able to find that video probably below this one. But look, a big thank you to Thomas for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links he just mentioned, are going to be in the show notes to find them. Simply search for Thomas in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Hey folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100K. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. So there you have it, folks. Interview done and dusted with Thomas. Now, do remember, we did shoot that video where he breaks down how he comes up with these or the formula he uses for this, these 1500 uh, breakout trading strategies that he's created so please go and check that out on the youtube channel links under the video if you are here already uh, also do remember black friday sale is happening this year with the robot builders club and robot lab live as well so to check out the deals and they're not going to be around for long please head over to tradingup.com click on robots in the top nav and you'll find out all about them there all right folks thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one